Hello and welcome to season three of Louisiana's Got Talent, an award-winning podcast brought to you by the Louisiana Board of Regents. I'm Commissioner of Higher Education, Dr. Kim Hunter-Reed, Louisiana's Chief Talent Development Officer. January symbolizes a fresh start and new beginnings. This year, 2024, also symbolizes a golden anniversary, 50 years since the constitutional creation of the Louisiana Board of Regents. So we will celebrate this golden milestone with events across the state, special podcast guests, and social media content throughout the year. And we have a very special guest with us today. So to kick off our third season of Louisiana's Got Talent, we are excited to have our first golden guest, our new (laughs) board chair, Regent Gary Solomon Jr. Welcome. Thank you, Kim. So let me tell you about this amazing new chairman. He is co-founder and CEO of Solomon Group, a leading experiential production agency known for producing major live and televised events like the Essence Fest, Major League Baseball Draft, and National Hockey League All-Star Weekend, among others. He's worked um, with renowned immersive destinations like one of my favorites, the World of (laughs) Coca-Cola, and the National World War II Museum, which is a standout in New Orleans. Inc. Magazine named him, and I love this, to their 30 under 30 world's coolest entrepreneur list. And as chairman, he brings that same spirit of innovation and commitment to education and students. So Regent Solomon, Chairman Solomon, just so happy to be with you today. Thank you, Kim. I'm so glad to be here. I, uh, it's impressive you find time for this podcast with all you do otherwise. I think certainly there must be two of you out there. <laughs> I'm not cloned yet, but you know. <laughs> Hope springs eternal. But let me say, you know, you've been at this job with Regents for four, for five years. Uh, you are our new, absolute new chairman. Um, and I'm curious about you and how you think about talent development. Obviously, very successful businessman. I mean, I don't know anybody else who's named the coolest entrepreneur, so I love that. But tell me about how... Talent development, what does it mean to you, and how has your service on the Board of Regents maybe evolved or changed how you think about talent development? You know, from leading in my company and then my service here on the board the last five years, I think I've seen the necessity to evolve education because it needs to continue to develop to meet the demands of technology in the world at large. Um, I think we're at a critical juncture where we have to adapt and continuously master new skills. It's not just a benefit, but it's a necessity. And I think the future of talent development is in creating that synergy between education and the workforce, where higher ed institutions not only serve as educators, but as active partners in economic development. And I think that that we have to embrace that change is a shared responsibility. As employers, we have to provide opportunities for ongoing education and upskilling. And as educators, we have to ensure that our curricula are agile and forward-thinking. And it's not just about responding to the market, but it's about shaping it and fostering a culture of lifelong learning and adaptability. And that's how I think we can weave um, competitiveness uh, into our education and business systems and contribute to a broader economic vitality for our state. So important. Uh, And I agree with you about the shared responsibility, shared ownership of our prosperity But I'm curious, over 15 years of building your business from a few employees to a leading live experience agency that's working in uh, entertainment and sports and culture. So tell me about uh, the biggest lessons you've learned on this journey. So 
in my journey these last 15 years, I think I learned that adaptability and a clear vision are definitely the heartbeats of entrepreneurship. Um, but I also see how the fundamentals that you learn very early on, like I did when I studied production for theater, stay really relevant no matter how high you climb the ladder. And it's about nailing the basics and understanding every role around you and knowing how they interplay to create something bigger. And I think that's the foundation that's helped allow me to innovate in my business, in live events and experiential design at high levels. I think the other thing that often goes not as attended to is that the relationships you build and the network that you create are really priceless. Um, they're really the scaffolding of one's career. And so if those are the scaffolding, then your reputation is the currency. And it's everything. It tells the world who you are and what you stand for. And you're going to make mistakes, and that's part of the game. But how you handle those mistakes and how you own them and learn from them, that can actually boost your credibility as well. That's so well said. Uh, incredibly important. I want to lean into this adaptability question and conversation because I know change is hard. And when you're thinking about innovation, sometimes it's sort of an uncertainty about what the adaptability should look like. So what's your barometer for how much innovation and change in your, in your business world should be moving forward? And how do we apply that to the higher education space? Well, I think that the future of higher education is about being a true community partner and a beacon of innovation and a future where every Louisiana person has not only a degree, but a place in that vibrant and kind of resilient fabric here in our state. I think that the crossroads of change and innovation are important in business, but they're also essential that you establish core values and that you adhere to those core values that make you uniquely who you are, um, almost as a compass, as a guiding directional uh, uh, signal for how you make decisions so that no matter what the change is that comes your way, that who you are, what you set out to do, and what you firmly believe in are the grounding kind of basics for how you make those decisions. So when you speak, you speak from a perspective of life skills, but also I know from someone who has benefited from education and family support. Uh, and so I'm curious about how you think about this crossroads and these core values in a state like Louisiana where we have so much opportunity but also so much poverty. So how should we be thinking about this? And what does it mean for us to have more students have a Gary Solomon Jr. experience of education and support regardless of family background so that they too can soar? How would we apply that and what is our responsibility to do that for students who are underserved um, but have so much potential? Kim, I think it's a vital question. And I think it actually gets first to the, the deeper question of what is the value of higher education and how it serves a state that has got so much poverty and so many challenges that face it. Um, I think we're at a crossroads where the public trust in higher ed is waning nationally, yes. um, not just here in Louisiana. And I think we need to turn that around because I think that there is no greater path out of poverty and into prosperity than that of education. And I think it's our job at Regents and in the employer sector as well to not just share like facts and figures about 
how education can bring one from prosperity, from poverty into prosperity, but it's about painting a picture so vivid that people can't help but see the value that we add. And I think we need to craft narratives that really exist on a personal level and resonate with those that otherwise wouldn't have considered education as a path. Um, we need to be clear about the realities of higher education as well. Mm -hmm. you know, people need to know what they're investing in um, and they need to know right down to the last dollar what the outcomes can be for them if they make that commitment. And so when I think about the transparency that has to go hand in hand with the demonstrated return on investment, I think that's where we at Regents have a unique opportunity to help the management boards and the institutions themselves to better tell their story so that people across the state who do live in poverty can see a path out of it and we can be the ones that are guiding their hands into what direction they can go. So when we think about who tells our story, do you think that um, as you see this as a seasoned regent member, a chair, and a business leader, is it that we just haven't gotten the story right or that we just haven't put our passion into taking the time to tell our story mm. consistently over and over and over? What's, what's happening here or not happening? Well, first, I think our alumni are our best ambassadors, first and foremost. Yes. I mean, these are people that carry with them the living proof of education's value. Um, encouraging them to share their story should create a ripple effect, right, that reshapes perception across the state. Right. I think that collaboration is key, too. I don't know that it's necessarily what we haven't gotten right at Regents, right? It's more of a question of how do we collaborate with local business and nonprofit and educational initiatives and institutions and how they join forces, because I think it can show a practical and immediate benefit of higher education when all three sectors are speaking from the same hymnal. Um, I think it's about showing, not just telling, um, and how we are driving force in the local economy and culture. I think we need to sit down with policymakers more and more, not just in formal settings, but in real conversations about what higher education truly represents. And I think it's about educating them on the impact and the challenges and the opportunities that we create collectively. Are you optimistic or pessimistic about our ability to get the narrative changed so that more people are champions? I'm actually optimistic because I think from an employer standpoint, lifelong learning is now more crucial than ever. And therefore, I believe that there's going to be greater alignment between workforce's needs and what education can deliver as a partner than ever before. We need to highlight how we're equipping people, not just for their first job, but for a lifelong career of meaningful work. And it's not a sprint, right? Telling these stories isn't going to happen overnight. Uh, I think that building trust is a marathon. It's a generational shift. Um, as chair, I'm ready to lead that charge, you know, one story, one partnership, one innovation at a time. I think when we invest in education, when we tell these stories right, and we commit to it as a state, we're investing in Louisiana's ability to weather any storm and come out stronger. Absolutely agree. Well said. You know, uh, one of my one of the joys of being commissioner is I get to know these uh, regent members. And <laughs> recently, I was uh, on the phone with. Uh, Gary, and he was uh, letting me know he had limited time because he was off to do a service an initiative with his staff in New Orleans. But um, one of the quotes that I love is everyone can be great because everyone can serve. And I know you've had uh, a role of service, a sort of DNA of service, and trying to be of service to others as part of who you are. But you even have had 
this phenomenal experience where in 2022, you and your husband traveled together to the Poland-Ukraine border to feed mm. Ukrainian refugees as part of Chef Andreas World Central Kitchen Organization. Mm. Amazing. Tell me what motivated you to be a part of that experience. You know, I think when Dr. King speaks about greatness through service, he touched on a truth that resonates deeply with me and Seth. Um, look, we felt a call to action uh, watching the conflict at the Poland-Ukraine border as it unfolded on television. And I think like many, we were you know, outraged and heartbroken. And as time wore on, we actually kind of felt a desensitization to it Yes. Um, in the media coverage and personally. And it struck me you know, that there's always something that one can do. And so when we decided to volunteer with World Central Kitchen and make the trip to the Poland-Ukraine border, we weren't looking for any recognition. And so I was admittedly, uh, when the media locally took notice, it was a little flattering, but also really uncomfortable because service is about a personal commitment and not a headline. Um, yeah, I read a quote once that it's, it's about the cause, not the applause, right? And I that definitely that. deeply resonates with me as well. Uh, look, standing there on the ground face-to-face -face with the realities of war and human toll, it was really transformational for both Seth and I. You know, you realize in a moment like that that the world is really not that large, um, that the other isn't really so different. Um, and what we were seeing was mothers and grandfathers and children, you know, each with dreams and fears and a really unwavering spirit that was incredibly humbling for us. And I think to connect it back to education, it reminded us about why we're passionate about education. You know, this kind of opportunity to learn and understand and develop empathy is a way that we can bridge a world that is deeply separated. Um, and we went over there to serve meals, right? And we came back with a reinforced conviction that education really is a tool for peace. I think it demonstrates the investment that if we make in education, it can go way beyond our borders, right? Nurturing a kind of generation that values empathy and global responsibility. And so that experience for me, I was able to bring something back right back here to Louisiana that directionally shaped how I think today. And is there like one thing you will remember, one child, mm. one person, one conversation, one experience? Yeah, I think the thing that stood out the most in that trip was a repeat of a scene that we saw over and over and over again. Um, every day, buses would pull up to that border uh, or just beyond the border, and you'd see these women getting off the buses, and they look completely wiped out, you know. And they had kids with them, sometimes, uh, you know, one hand holding a little one and the other dragging a bag or two. And the thing that struck me was that the more kids they had, the less luggage they seemed to bring. Because it seemed like that for every additional item they packed, it was one fewer hand they had free to comfort their kids. And the other thing that struck me is that there were no men of the fighting age, right? right. They were all fighting. Right. Just older gentlemen any age women and kids. And it's something I couldn't quite shake off for a while. And I think the part that will last with me the longest is that just handing out something as simple as a cup of hot coffee to moms or a piece of fruit to kids who've been traveling for days was, it was the smallest stuff that made the biggest difference. And I think it was an intense reminder, you know, of how just a little bit of warmth, a little bit of normal can go so far uh, in situations like that. That's so fantastic. I love that you had that experience and that you're willing to share that. You know, one of the things that we've asked in our two seasons of the podcast always to our guest is something I want to ask you. Mm. 
What brings Gary Solomon Jr. joy personally or professionally? Well, joy is a whole bunch of different things for me, and it's an evolving answer. Um, I'd say that since I started uh, my professional career, you know, for me professionally, nothing beats the thrill of producing live television. Uh, there's something that for me is a kind of an electric charge that I get knowing that millions are tuned in and anything can happen when it's live. Yes. And so that pulse of live energy is something I do thrive on. But I'd say that now it's an evolving answer to your question about joy. It's all about family and, you know, uh, these little moments that kind of fill our days lately. We've got two young kids at home, six months and 16 months. So life's a bit of a whirlwind of both joy and chaos. <laughs> um, it's all a blur, but it's definitely a beautiful blur. And uh, when it comes to unwinding, I'd say if it's not in those two settings, either producing television or with my kids, you'll probably find me happiest in a theater. Um, I think yes. there's something about being in that space when stories come to life on stage, and that kind of brings me back to my roots. That's where I like to escape and recharge the most. That's awesome. Well, you know, we can't wrap without recognizing that there's a lot of goal setting, right? Mm -hmm. We have a big goal of 60% educated by 2030. We always talk about in the new year renewal um, and thinking about goal setting. So I'm wondering about what goals have, has Gary Solomon Jr. set for himself, <laughs> personally or professionally, in this year? Well, I'm certainly zeroing in on making the most of my time as chair here at Regents, right? Helping you advance this agenda and making a mark that really benefits the state. So by all means, that's a goal. Um, I'm glad to hear uh, that. <laughs> absolutely, it's important, and I take it very seriously. Uh, personally, I'm just kind of looking to get the hang of this whole dad thing while keeping up the pace at work this year. Um, I'm kind of all in on catching those special bursts with my kids, yes. but also balancing that with the excitement of what we do every day at work. And so that's my goal for 2024 is, is balance. Wonderful. Well, I know that you will balance well. <laughs> every day will probably not be a balanced nope. day, but I know every day will be a meaningful day because I know you and I know your heart mm. and your commitment to leadership. So again, I'm just so grateful that uh, you have uh, stepped into the role as chair at a critical time um, and that you continue to bring your passion and purpose to the work each and every day. Thank you. I'm honored to be a part of this journey. I'm uh, excited for what we're going to achieve together this year. Here's to a great 2024 to Louisiana and our students. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you again for joining us for this episode of Louisiana's Got Talent. We are grateful, as I said, for your service and certainly look forward to your amazing leadership uh, at this really important time. Uh, Louisiana's Got Talent is an award-winning podcast produced by the Louisiana Board of Regents. To learn more about our work here at Regents and our year-long 50th anniversary celebration, visit www.laregents.edu or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Louisiana's Got Talent.